Glad Tiding is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to the latest Glad Tidings Everton podcast with The Athletic. It's me, Greg O'Keefe, and I'm joined, as usual, by Paddy Boyland. And loads going on in the Blue Half of Merseyside today and this week, starting with some really good news for Colin Ancelotti. No ban for the game at Chelsea, no touchline ban uh, or dugout ban. He's accepted the charge from the FA and he's been given an £8,000 fine. But, Pat, the good news is that the... Um, the Don will still be in the dugout at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and that's obviously an important thing for Everton to have Ancelotti there on the sidelines against his former club Chelsea on Sunday. In the statement from the FA, I think it's quite interesting that they mentioned, don't they, that um, this was a standard penalty, as mm-hmm. they put it. So maybe the stuff about a touchline ban was a bit overblown. Mm. Looking at the incident back, I think it would have been very, very harsh had Ancelotti had to serve a touchline ban. Look at the interaction with the referee, yeah. Cavana. And for my money, there's not an awful lot wrong with what he does. Um, I, I actually think that the the bigger problem is the way that he's spoken to. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, I, yeah. I think like, this kind of disappear now that you hear Cavana saying two or three times um, from the TV mics, um, doesn't paint him in the best of light. It shows a bit of a lack of respect as well. It's very arrogant, isn't it? It is. It's a bit too arrogant, and I know he has this style where he doesn't like look people in the eye as well, and doesn't doesn't um, kind of look to kind of make that eye contact. And I think that's a problem in itself as well. It, mm. it just just adds to this sense that there's a bit of a disconnect mm. between the two individuals or the referee and and, and a footballer in in other instances. Good news, like you say, that he's it, it, there's no ban. I think if Everton had wanted to, there probably would have been a bit more scope for them to, to push for this. But at the end of the day, the main thing is that Ancelotti is not um, is not going to be serving a ban. Um, Everton can kind of continue now, push on, business as usual. And you hope that kind of draws a line under this. Yeah. And that there's been loads of fallout from the Manchester yeah. United game. It's continuing to this day. We're recording on Thursday after the Sunday game. Yeah, yeah. And it might rumble on and on and on, or it might have rumbled on and on and on. Um, but for this um, positive piece of news as far as Everton are concerned. So, yeah, good, good news really for Everton. Yeah, absolutely. And um, from that good news to not so good news really for both the player and the club, Cenk Tosin, it's emerged. We, we knew, thanks to our colleague Matt Woosnam, who'd broken the story earlier in the week that he'd suffered a, a major injury that was likely to lead to the termination of his loan at Crystal Palace. That That is the case. He's done his ACLs and his knee. And we now know that he's back at Everton undergoing treatment. Um, he's either had surgery or is set to have surgery. And it's a really serious injury, isn't it? It's going to keep him out for a long time. But of course, there are also ramifications for 
with with you know without being um you know not compassionate about about this there's a financial implications for everything as well aren't there yeah no, I, I guess the the first thing is um, there's got to be sympathy with Jenk. It was an injury sustained in training with Crystal Palace. Yeah. So he's been really unfortunate at a time when he, he himself was had moved elsewhere yeah. effectively to get that extra game time he needed to potentially yeah. kick on and get in the Turkey squad for, for the European Championships. Yeah. And his attitude has never been anything but good at Everton or Palace. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no. no. I, I, I don't think you could ever accuse Jenk Tosin of not being a consummate professional. Mm-hmm. Just... But, but, a poor break for him in 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 training at, at Palace. Um, that has ramifications, as you say, not just for Palace but also for Everton. And in, at this moment in time, Marcel Brands is very much looking at the best ways to trim the squad yeah. to recoup any money he can from kind of quite a bloated squad that in places um, leads to the hemorrhaging of money and funds. Yeah. We know Everton made a big loss, so people like Tosin with. Two and a half years left on his deal mm. with a, a hefty salary around the hundred grand. I think he was ideal, given that he was he wasn't getting game time. He was ideal to send out on loan. Palace paid a loan fee. Palace were paying his wages in full. There was also the option at the end of the deal um, for a, a um, for a purchase of around twenty million euros. There's very little chance of any of that happening now. I think Palace do have to pay the um, one million loan fee unless they get relegated. But there is now the chance that Everton, because of the extended absence, will pick up his wages, James' yeah. wages, and they won't get the the um the hefty transfer fee at the end of the um at the end of the period because obviously Tosin won't have the opportunity to prove himself. So this is a blow. It's a blow and it you do wonder when Everton are gonna catch a little bit of luck in this regard. Obviously, there have been a, a series, I mean, you can talk about muscle complaints and, and issues related to soft tissue all you like, and sometimes you might be able to, to link them back to a bit of conditioning or poor weather or any of those yeah, kind yeah, of things. Yeah. With things like Andre Gomez's injury and with some of Gabamin's injuries and this, it's very much a sense, I feel, of Everton just being really unfortunate. And this potentially is even more significant because it could end up costing Everton over twenty million pounds in in transfer fees um, for a player that's not obviously part of Ancelotti's plans. Well, this is it, and and you know, as you say, at a time when Everton are trying to, you know, in accordance with FFP, enable to enable them to spend and back Ancelotti in the market, they're trying to be very prudent and trim players off the wage bill who aren't part of his plans going forward. Tosin was definitely you know in that bracket, and now to be blunt. They're stuck with him, and his contract is until June twenty twenty two. We were working out before we started recording, weren't we? So, um, it could take, let's say, you know, a conservative estimate, and and I think you know, fingers crossed, he recovers for him first and foremost, but as quickly as someone like Andre Gomez, although ACL tears is a lot of a longer road than what Gomez suffered, but let's say it takes him twelve months before he's back playing. That's another twelve months of playing a hundred grand a week for a player who's probably not part of your plans. So, just about just about to say there, do you, do you fancy your calculations with regards to? Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. I don't. You know, I'm, it's I'm a lot not, of money. I'm not very good at maths either. So let's just say it's it's an awful lot of money. I think the only other thing to stress is there's an, Everton as yet have not intimated any kind of time frame 
at this moment in time. So it's very difficult to predict without having spoken to the medical professionals, yeah. as we'll obviously need to um, in our job with the athletic. Um, there's, there's no indication yet as to how long he's going to be out. What, you would, what we know for a fact, I should say, is that his season is in jeopardy and his participation in the Euros as a result is in major jeopardy. What you would then look at from there is, are Everton going to be able to sell him over the summer? Well, I wouldn't have thought so, really, because no. he won't have had many games towards the back end to impress no. potential suitors. Maybe potential suitors will look at that ACL injury and think, if we're going to spend £20 million or £15 million, we could find better value elsewhere with players that have, have been healthy and have yeah. been injury-free over the course of the last few seasons. So there are a few kind of question marks that start to seep in with yeah. regards to Tosin. You often get, sorry but to speak across you, but it's often the case that players aren't the same, aren't they, when they come back from an ACL? Absolutely, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, um, <clears throat> there's no guarantee, of course, that Jenk Tosin returns the same player. We know, obviously, uh, aside from Crystal Palace, there, there was other interest from, from Germany and, and Turkey, his, his homeland. Around the January window, there's been interest before. Um, and Everton have tried to get him off the books for a, for a mm. good while now. You just wonder when that's going to happen. Mm. That's my question. When are you going to be able to do that um, with him being on those big wages and with him being out injured? You just effectively, it's, it's more money lost yeah. that could be better spent elsewhere. Um, that could go on new contract for Calvert-Lewin, it could do any of those kinds yeah. of things. So a big blow, really. It a big is. blow. Yeah. Not not kind of... Not in terms of the first team as it's functioning now. Yeah, There are lots of positives, I think, with, with the partnership of Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin. Moise Keane being on the bench is a good option. Yeah, Loads of kind of good players that aren't actually in the, the starting lineup at the moment. But when we say blow, we just mean in relation to yeah. the finances and, and what Everton are able to do in, in future windows. It almost feels like it might impact on certain plans further down the line, um, unfortunately. It could do. It does certainly um, present some problems in a season where, where injuries have presented, as you say earlier, pile upon pile of issues for Everton and um, they just need to catch a break. They really do. We've got a piece on the side today um, with Tim Howard. I went to chat with Tim uh, before the game last week on the Saturday. And then, of course, last night, recording this on Thursday afternoon, last night the news that he's kind of coming out of retirement yeah, and could be playing for his new club. Could be playing for uh, for Memphis 901. So, um, a 40, 40 gone on 41. <laughs> I really enjoyed sitting down with him. It was... It was it was a really nice morning. Spent a good bit of time at the training ground. He was in fine fettle. He was loving being back there, chatting to you know the the boot room, not boot room, but his colleagues from like the you know your, your sort of masseur, Jimmy Comer. He saw down there, um, all all the usual suspects from sort of Jimmy Martin. Jimmy Martin, and, yeah, yeah, and, and just chatting to familiar faces. He, he was pl- making plans to go and have a coffee with Leighton Baines and. You know, really, really enjoying, and I didn't realise he'd not been back since he'd left. So um, it was quite fair to say, you know, he was quite uh, emotional about it. He was really happy to be there. He, 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 it's quite clear from reading your piece that he loves the club, but also there's a lot of goodwill towards him at Everton still from from those people you're talking about. Yeah, a lot of respect from, and goodwill like local and affection media as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was just it was fascinating, really, chatting to him about that team that he of which he was a key part under David Moyes. And the lengths that they were prepared to go to, really, to uh, 
to show up and, and pull on the shirt. I mean, it, it, it actually, I was, I was when I was reading your piece, I, I was thinking back to the interview I did with John Heitinger, and what comes across in both of those interviews is just how determined that group of players were, players were, to get on the pitch, yeah, perform for Everton. <laughs> the cliche run through brick walls, do everything they could to fight for that shirt, and to get on the pitch when, in in many cases many of them shouldn't have been playing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Howard was exactly the same, but there's an example of Leighton Baines in the piece, there's an example of Phil Jagielka. Mm-hmm. Numerous other guys mentioned that effectively played through the pain barrier. Leon Osman getting sick before yeah. a game against Manchester City and then be- becoming the man of the match, yeah, yeah. getting get on the pitch and, be- and being the man of the match. It was a really solid group of professionals when you think back to it. And David Moyes, for his... For all his other faults yeah. and, and whatever Everton fans perceive to be his faults, he was the one that was able to get that out of them. He, he inspired that kind of stoic attitude in them. No, he? yeah, completely. And, and even though, um, as Howard explained it, you know, there was players like Bainesy, um, Jagielka, Phil Neville had come, come up through sort of Sheffield United, Wigan, a fiercely competitive bunch at United. And so therefore had that sort of mental resilience, determination, Credit to Moyes because he managed to foster that culture that spread to players from, well, Heitinger and even Fellaini. Now, this didn't make it in the piece, but another anecdote that that um, someone had, had shared with me when I was preparing the piece was Fellaini was like, he'd done a serious rupture to his ankle, to, to, to his ankle. So would have been in severe pain, but made himself available for a game away at Man City, played really well, we won. And afterwards, you know, the Everton medics were looking at him saying, you know, this would have been a major, major problem. You should have been out there for a long time. Um, so you should, you should be out now for a long time. And I think he was on the sidelines for a significant, but he was prepared to put up and to play. And it's just, it, it was, it was definitely, you're right, Moyes does have his faults, did have his faults, but definitely what he was able to do was get every single last, drop of passion, determination, and effort as the players at his disposal. Those players wanted to play for him. Mm. And, and John Heitinger said to me in, in, in my piece, um, the interview I did the other week on the site, um, he, he basically said, I have better tactical managers. I definitely have better tactical managers, but I don't think I had a better man manager. Mm. So we have to give him always credit there for, for what he managed to get out of those players. We have to give the players, of course, an inordinate amount of credit for wanting to put themselves yeah, through yeah, the pain yeah. barrier. I mean, we've given some examples there. Leighton Baines played for a season, didn't he, with, yeah. with an ankle injury. And I think, actually, if people will be able to work out which year it was without me saying it, because I think his delivery suffered that year. Yeah. He wasn't quite able to wrap his foot around the ball in the same way yeah. and get the same level of purchase. And all of a sudden, we were saying, why aren't we able to beat the first man with these yeah, yeah. these free kicks and corners? Why why's Leighton stopped scoring free kicks? Those guys did want to do that, and I guess I guess they still do to this day. But what's a re- it's a really interesting theme for me because I think sometimes, as a general football fan, people don't necessarily see the length some players go to to get out onto yeah, the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So like the other example I would use is Michael Keane. Yeah. Um, after he sustained a really nasty injury against Sunderland in a Carabao Cup game at Goodison, James Vaughan, I think it was, went onto his yeah, foot. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And opened up a really big wound on the foot. And 
Michael Keane was rushed back by Ronald Koeman because they needed players and weren't doing very well. He was rushed back by Ronald Koeman far too soon yeah. in some people's estimations and then ended up making the injury much, much worse. That kind of compounded things for Keane, who'd obviously moved away from Burnley yeah. into this new environment where he'd gone from kind of a rigid Sean Dyche setup to a slightly more expansive high line at Everton under Koeman. And I think it made things an awful lot worse. Everton fans at the time would have looked down and said, Michael Keane's not really not made an impression here. He's 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 not he, living up to what they thought the player they thought they were getting. He's yeah. not living up to the hype, he's not this kind of England international in waiting. He we've paid nearly thirty million for this yeah. guy. Where are the kind of the stellar performances? But there's always there's sometimes there's really stories kind of under yeah. under the surface yeah, yeah. that only rear the head a little bit afterwards. And I think that's the, it, it goes for Baines, Howard, that generation of player. Tim Keo is another one. Mm. Mikel Arteta played with injuries. An awful lot of them did. Leon Osman. But even kind of in close to the present day, mm. people like Michael Keane have done it too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Richarlison, how many times does Richarlison get kicked and he kind of carries on, soldiers well, on? Well, he does after up. he's had a little roll around <laughs> on the floor. He's got better at that recently. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you've got the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash tidings and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of this show, you'll get two extra free beers. That's 10 free beers. Beer 52 or Beer Pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest craft breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then, they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power's in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, and a beery snack is thrown in, just to top it all off. So just go to www.beer52.com forward slash tidings to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, listeners to Glad Tidings get two extra free beers. Talk about the sort of players who've played through. We never really, sadly, got to see um, this player really have a longevity to his Everton career. But Ross Barkley is someone we did see in the, earlier in the week scoring a fantastic goal against Liverpool, which kind of made it all that sweeter in, Chelsea, in the FA Cup for Chelsea. Um, for me, it, the run, the surging run, the power, the finish was everything Ross can be at his very best. Um, but even in that one game, I saw parts of Ross at his not very worst because I thought he had a good game, but the perplexing you know, dilemma within a dilemma that is Ross Barkley really and perhaps just why he's failed even though he's gone to Chelsea to quite kick on your piece tomorrow look out for this on the site because it's, it's going to be a really interesting read uh, hearing about what's gone into it you've done a piece about Everton fans and their kind of re- relation with with Barkley now yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a bit more about it yeah so I've, I've spoken to a, a number of, of Everton fans I've, I've spoken to one of Ross's former coaches at Everton in the academy, just to get kind of a, a 360 perspective on his time at Everton and why there is that relationship now. That's mm. slightly soured over 
over time. A lot of people will be aware of the background, the, the move to Chelsea, the way yeah. it came about, and the fact that the fee over the course of six million, um, six months went down from around £30 million to about 15 Yeah. Um. So there's still, I think there's a lot of animosity. I was I was in the away end last year um, for the, the Chelsea game. It feels like an age ago now. It was right at the start of Silva's tenure. Yeah. And Everton got a really cred- credible uh, nil-nil draw. Looked very good defensively. But as Ross Barkley was warming up, he was getting loads of abuse from the away end. Yeah. So it's just an attempt to explain that and to look if there's any, look if there's any way back. Because... There was a way back for Wayne Rooney, who left in controversial circumstances. Would that ever be possible for Ross? Now I'm not. I'm not so sure. I'm really not so sure because I think almost there's there's a perception that Ross did the dirty on Everton with yeah. regards to when he left and running down his contract to make sure the fee was lower. And I don't think Everton fans have forgiven him for that. I was watching. Funnily enough, I was watching the. Chelsea Liverpool FA Cup game on Tuesday night with a group of Everton fans. And while some were quite clearly pleased that Ross had scored and had put Liverpool the goal down, th- there wasn't the jubilation you would expect that normally yeah. greets a, a Liverpool goal from Everton fans. Uh, it was kind of, there were a few wry smiles, there were a few people saying, well, I still can't really get behind anything yeah. that he does. Um, and I, I guess that, that's valid to an extent, but it did fleetingly at least because he doesn't produce these moments with any kind of regularity does remind you effectively what Ross Barkley could have been and it reminds you of some of the moments at Everton so I I think he was at his best very early on under Roberto Martinez Mm -hmm. when he was effectively just picking the ball up fearless and driving at the heart of the defence with his pace with his power there was that wonderful goal against Newcastle which it reminded me a little bit of yeah and then there's another renaissance, a mini renaissance under Ronald Koeman where he plays from the right. He's always had every attribute, Ross, yeah. Barkley, to be a top-level footballer. If you were making a physique, if you were looking at ability with both feet, technically, he's just about got everything. I think you, you look for except. in a modern day. Except one thing, and it's just the game intelligence, the cerebral side. Yeah. If you had one matters vision, his brain, some player, then he'd, yeah. be, he'd be a world-class player. Yeah, He, he would definitely be a world-class player um, and obviously he's gone on to have a, a, a pretty good career but speaking to people at Chelsea close to Chelsea I should say he's not stamped his authority there no he, no, he hasn't moments yeah. like the one on Tuesday are still fleeting mm-hmm. still sporadic they're not they're in exceptions the rule rather than the rule itself but he's got a bit of a head of steam going into that game against Everton and I know Chelsea have got a few issues. Jorginho suspended. There are a few injuries in midfield. Yeah. It's very possible that we see a midfield relatively similar, given N'Golo Conte is also out. Yeah. A midfield relatively similar to the one that lined up against Liverpool. So we might we might see Ross Barkley, we might see if he's able to continue this narrative against Everton. And you'll definitely get a bit of stick from the from the away ends when he eventually does take to the pitch. Maybe, so, yeah. I mean, what, what I'd be interested in is you recovering Everton for the echo yeah while Ross was playing week in week out for, for spells what what did you make of him I mean there's a lot said about his footballing ability but when you had dealings with him what was he, what was he like as a lad I mean I, I was told by Ray Hall Everton's old um, academy um, director that he was a huge Evertonian and had turned down overtures from Liverpool earlier on in his uh, in his career yeah. when Rafa Benitez spotted him in a youth game yeah. um, at Goodison um, and loads of loads of examples like that. 
and Ray Hall's still really close to him. That they're all proud of his achievements. He he speaks quite fondly of Ross the person, and he's got that close relationship. I mean, what about your dealings with him when you when you remember yeah. the press? Yeah, no, I, I've got to say as well, I'm um, I'm very fond of Ross as as a lad. He was very um, warm, quiet, a bit shy, very down to earth, never big time, always would let on, say hi. Um, didn't seem to ever have an agenda. Um, never kind of gave the impression that he, you know, because there was a lot of, he was getting fated in a lot of quarters and, you know, a lot of attention when he broke through into the team. Never seemed to let it go to his head. Um, and it was really regrettable the way it happened with his deal. And it did cost the club a lot of money in the end. I wonder... I would be surprised if that was his idea to do it the way that it was done. Yeah. Um, I think he probably was someone who would defer decisions about his career to people who surrounded him. Yeah, I think that's To be it. honest. Yeah. Um, but from a good family, his mum, very close to his mum and sister, and, and a massive blue, but just like a really normal lad. Um, mm. So I find it a bit sad when, when I see this, um, because I know it'll, it'll hurt him, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not, listen, I'm not playing a violin on his behalf. He's an exceptionally well-paid young man, and you know he seems to be like quite happy at Chelsea in many ways. Um, but yeah, I don't something that doesn't sit with me right about this booing, and then when he he's been up to Liverpool a few times, had a few difficulties, hasn't he? Yeah. Since he's left, um, and when you said earlier that the premise that it, would he ever come back, well, it'd have to suit Everton from a footballing point of view, but. If it did, and I'm not saying it, it it would necessarily, but if it did, then I absolutely don't see why he couldn't. I know there was a lot of rancour, uh, not just Rooney left in different circumstances and ultimately Rooney's sale kept Everton afloat financially. But then Rooney's conduct, certainly in the early days when he came back to Goodison, wasn't exemplary either. He was a bit ghost. She was sometimes a little bit provocative because he felt, just like Ross did, the barbs of that, of, of like this, yeah. the... the but also, I remember before, you know, when Ross was struggling for form at times. Um, Got a so bit of stick, didn't he? The fans could get on his back. And I think it's this local lad syndrome. You expect more yeah. and you want so much more for them. And sometimes that bubbles over into extra dissatisfaction that players from elsewhere in the country and elsewhere in the world don't get. So, um, it's like very, I say, It's a very scouse reaction, like, by the way. A very uh, Liverpool reaction. Yeah. Two, when you're faced with those jibes, with those jeers, with the boos... To want to fight back, yeah, and fire back. It's a it's a it's a strong working class city, and people don't usually take any crap from others, do they? No. So I'm um, almost it, you, you go those individuals. You expect something back. I think particularly like Rooney did it. Would Ross Barkley do it if he's got? I remember actually being in the away end last year when he was getting stick and warming up close to Everton fans. Yeah. He turned around and started laughing, but then he got more. So it becomes this kind of perpetual cycle there. Yeah. But the the interesting dynamic here is that Everton are obviously playing Chelsea on Sunday. And this week, Carlo Ancelotti, there's some quotes from Carlo Ancelotti from the, the official Everton site where he says, Everton still lack energy and drive in the middle of the park. And you look at Ross Barkley when he's on song, when he's playing as he did against yeah. Liverpool in spells, not yeah. all spells, when he's scoring that goal and doing that kind of stuff. And that's what they could do with from the centre of midfield at times, yeah. just on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know, I think reading into that, that's something Ancelotti feels is still missing from Ross Barkley's days. Mm. 
maybe they've not they've brought in Sigurdsson who's a very different player maybe they've not replaced that within the Everton squad and they will now look for something similar not the same in the summer yeah. as like say I mean we, yeah. we've mentioned Ducore before haven't we yes. that kind of player yeah, yeah. maybe with a younger profile somebody that they're able to sign for a smaller fee somebody that they'd be able to improve and then potentially increase the value of either to the team or to yeah, potential the, the suitors possibly um, find the next decore yeah. wherever he's playing in Belgium or France or, or Austria or Germany yeah, def- yeah. without a shadow of a doubt it's it's a really important game on Sunday, isn't it? I think, you know, obviously we lost at Arsenal. We took a point from United. And despite the controversy, which was obviously we should have got three points because the goal should have stood. And if it wasn't a goal, it should have been a penalty and all that. But we didn't. We got a point. Therefore, this run of games that you and I spoke about in the last podcast and beforehand where we were talking about, well, we want at least four points or six points from the, from these games, you know, you're running out of time, um, yeah. Because let's just stick with my t- my tenor. I don't even want to speculate about the Merseyside derby that could go any number of ways, but usually a bad way for Everton. You almost need to win in West London, and we haven't done that for a long time. No, no, we've not beaten any of those sides for a long so time. It's got to change eventually, hasn't it? It has got to change eventually, and I think they're a little bit unfortunate that it hasn't already under under Ancelotti. Yeah. It hasn't already changed because. It was a, a relatively good performance against Arsenal. I think on a different day, they, they take the chances. Yeah. They get at least a point, potentially three. And this is the great shame from the run of fixtures because I've had people saying to me, well, what's really changed at Everton? Ancelotti's come in and he's beaten the side you would expect him to beat, like, say, a Brighton or a, yeah, yeah. Or a, or a Burnley at home, even a Newcastle away. But he's lost when he, whenever he's played a big side, in yeah. quotation marks. Now, yeah, you look at that and without any context, you can say, fine. Gary Neville, you know, sort of articulated it quite bluntly, but it struck a chord, didn't it? You can kind of, you can kind of, from that point of view, you can see it. But looking at the performances, looking at the numbers behind those performances, they were unlucky against Arsenal. They were unlucky with decisions against Manchester United. So it's, I don't think it's, it's too optimistic to say this could have been four points out of six. On another, that could have been in there. another set Absolutely. of set of events, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Everton are in are well in the hunt, not yeah. just for a Europa League place, but potentially a fifth is going to be Champions League, a Champions League place too. The only problem is because of those results, there's now real pressure. Everton are in eleventh, heading into this game at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, the table doesn't look too clever, does it? I mean, in theory, they could probably they they could definitely sink to twelfth if if results don't go their way this weekend, and. Um, Suddenly, you look at the gap to Chelsea. It's eight points heading into the to the weekend. I think mm. that'll be up at eleven. In, um, Difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting harder and harder. Then, so you have to take your your fate into your own hands. Yeah, like like we said, by beating those teams who are competing around you. So yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a really good point. You made me think there about like for for an outsider, you could say what Ancelotti changed, but we know that we were that bit closer to getting the results, and we played. We, we, we dictated a lot of the game at the Emirates. Uh, second half against United was really good. First half, not so much after the goal. Um, we just need uh, a bit of luck and a bit of... I think I think we need to be defensively really compact, which we showed we were at times against United. 
Not certainly not in the way we conceded that goal by Bruno Fernandez, but better than against Arsenal. And then we need to start taking our chances because there were chances against United before the the end to finish it. Um, can't and wouldn't criticise Calvert Lewin with the run he's in, but probably should have scored. Put put it beyond De Gea who made a good save a couple of minutes after his his random goal from the uh, got clearance. He had an even better chance, and that was a really good save. It was a great yeah, save. It was it was a great save, but there were other chances. Richarlison went close, and Gilfie arguably should have scored. But he should have scored. We said earlier, the, uh... yeah, he should have just. It was almost a tap in, and he tries too hard. He tries to put it across the goalkeeper, and um, yeah, but uh, let's so let's <laughs> let's err on the side of positivity. I think that we're finally at records are only there to be broken, aren't they? And, I don't see why not. In the capital, has been terrible against those sides. So no, I don't. I don't. I don't see why not. And it might not be on Sunday, but I think a, a process has been put in place and an attitude which will serve Everton well. Mm. And let's not forget. I mean, we've we've spoken about this time and time again. This is the same group of players, albeit playing in a different system, that at one point we considered to be in a relegation battle or yeah. something close to a relegation battle. There are still gaps in that squad yeah. through injury. And through a lack of permanent additions. Yeah. Central midfield is still one. Look occasionally now, the down to one right back because Seamus Coleman's out for probably three weeks to four weeks, yeah. you would think. So Jabril Sadibi has to play it right back. Yeah, and he that, was the walking wounded after the United game as well. He was, wasn't the, he? he was the walking wounded after Manchester United game and might not even play against Chelsea, I guess. You've got then Sadibi being. <laughs> Move back to right back has a knock on effect because you've only then got one option on the right wing in theory with Theo Walcott if you're going to play somebody that wants to go on the outside. And then there are other issues, there are other parts of the pitch where you think they could just do with a bit more mm. cover or a bit more quality. So they've been pushed into a situation where they're challenging for Europe and we expect them to challenge. They are playing a lot better and we can see that through the numbers and the metrics, but they need to start getting a win or two here or there if they are going to get into the Europa League. I think the signs are positive. Yeah. I, I was I was positive after the Arsenal game. I was I was positive when I'd calmed down after the Manchester United game. And I'm still positive now heading into those games. Very little beyond an absolute thumping could happen at Chelsea for me not to yeah. to take that approach again. Because I think we're seeing with limited resources, Ancelotti's improved those players. Calvert Lewin and Richarlison look a real threat. Yeah. We've seen some good cameos from the likes of Bernard, who yeah. I think, as I mentioned last week, deserves more game time. Yeah, I agree. And hopefully there'll be a few players back. Luca Dean's back training. Yeah, um, looks like he'll play. Touch and it? go, as I mentioned in the Q&A last week. And it, the, the, the idea was that they were not going to risk him, even though they potentially could have done against Manchester United. He's a step closer to featuring this time around. A nice selection headache with Leighton Baines yeah. at left back, given how well Leighton Baines has played. I think Andre Gomez will have benefited from that that yeah. time against United. He didn't look as on it as he did against at Arsenal, but I think adrenaline probably got him through this cameo at Arsenal. And then I think the hard yards of actual getting those those minutes in his legs caught up with him a little bit in the United yeah. game. Not saying he had a bad game, but he didn't have as much of an impact. But I think he will be back on song at Stamford Bridge because he'll be back so. into the feeling that he's got the stamina to get himself through 90 minutes in a Premier League game against a, a hard-pressing side. Who's it, Who's the partner for Gomez? Like if, we, if we say that Gomez, Do we when say he's skill- fully fit, yeah. when we say, if he's fully fit and he plays at Stamford Bridge, who is the best partner? Is Gilfie going on the left again? Because there's a, there's a chance Gilfie continues on the left. 
I think then you you saturate that part of the pitch because you've got Bernard and Awobi who also like to play there. Yeah. Like I said, I'd like to see more of Bernard. And then you've got a situation in the middle where, yeah, of course, Schneiderlin's injured, but Fabian Delft can play there. Sigurdsson, in theory, could play in the centre. Yeah. Um, Tom Davis, who I thought was quite... He was very average, if we're being fair to him, in the first half against Manchester United. But I think he had a very good second half. Yeah, I think it was a good second half, yeah. He was good while being on a yellow card. Got yeah. around the pitch, made his tackles, got Everton up the pitch. Yeah. Um, with a kind of quite dynamic approach. And arguably, Andre Gomez's best football has come with Tom Davis. Yeah. I don't, I don't, it's not always the case that the best footballers complement each other. But I think Davis had a bit of energy. And a bit of something different. Delft doesn't have quite as much energy. You could arguably say he's more assured in possession and he's a bit more disciplined I positionally. Think, yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. I think Ancelotti might just opt for Delft's experience. I think so. Depends on how Delft's trained, because I know he's had little niggles here and there as well. But I wonder if in, in a game having said that though, let me let me contradict myself. If you're looking at some of the Chelsea team. And you've got that vigour and that vitality and that immense talent of the boy Gilmore yeah. harrying about. Is Delft the right player to have against him? Or just say, well, Davis can maybe match him you know, in terms of energy. Um, <laughs> this is an Everton pop, but Billy Gilmore was very, very impressive the other night. Unbelievable. Some of the things he was doing against Brazilian internationals and, and other players on the Liverpool team, he just, for an 18-year-old, he just looked head and shoulders above any peers he I think he was man of the match yeah. per- personally and given Chelsea's issues with Jorginho and Kante and Kovacic has picked up an injury and is a, is a big doubt like I said earlier you could see Billy Gilmore you could see Ross Barkley and Everton have got to match them in that part of the pitch yeah. for dynamism because they will not be short of legs and the worry with Everton at times like Ancelotti has alluded to is that they could be short of legs in that yeah. part of the pitch do you fight fire with fire and bring in somebody like Davis? I think we've talked ourselves into Davis, don't haven't we? Do you do that, or do you say Fabian Delph is going to be there to stop that drive and run from Gilmore or um, Ross Barkley in the sense? I, I mean, I, I think if Gilmore plays like he did on Wednesday night, um, so Tuesday night, I, I I worry about Delph because I just think that he picks up a booking anyway, doesn't he, Delph? Tom Davis does as well. Yeah, but I'll just yeah, interesting, really interesting one. It's a headache. Yeah, hopefully it it's not us picking the team. Well, and, indeed, um, yeah. it'll be yeah. uh, the esteemed Carlo Ancelotti. So um, that's why he's paid the big bucks. Yeah, to, uh, to make those decisions. Yeah. Going to be really interesting from a team perspective because I also I'm intrigued to see what he does on the left. It feels like the only stable, solid part of the team from a selection point of view outfield is up front with Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin. The only chance one of them drops out is either if they've got a bit of an injury or it's felt from a sports science perspective that they need a break yeah. and then maybe you bring Moise Keane in. Yeah, but they don't. I mean, we're only playing once a week, so there's no no excuses, in my opinion, there in that respect. And none that, that seem to be sought either. I think they're both durable and resilient and remind me of that crop of players that we spoke about much earlier in the pod, yeah. really. Yeah. They're both willing to put themselves through the ringer to, to play for Everton so he was my man of the match we've not spoken about Manchester United that much who was but Dominic Calvert-Lewin I thought was exceptional oh, his touch was fantastic wasn't it he led the line in such an admirable manner he did everything he did everything yeah. and I know he scored that early goal there's a great chance that De Gea uh, saves um, it's a good save in fairness to Dominic but I just think he did everything it was a complete centre forwards display 
on a day when Richarlison, until he moved to the left, wasn't really on it. Yeah. Um, in the same way as yeah. we've seen recently, it feels like one of those two has always got your back. They always, one of them always, at least, is tuned into the game, doing good things, being productive. As a partnership, they must be very difficult to play against. And I think, mm-hmm. as a baseline in the Premier League, that means that you're competitive in yeah. those kinds of scenarios. We've seen that at, at the Emirates, haven't we? Yeah. You know, and um, it is it, that. That's a good point. A nice way to end it as well. It's we haven't had a we haven't had a front two for a long time, but we haven't had a front two as effective as those two in quite some time either. Have they really are kind of doing the business? And of course, you know the good news as well. Just one last thing to mention before we sign off. Another development this week, Mason Holgate signed the new five-year deal. Yeah, I think this is big news for Everton. It got to the point where England certainly, certainly were starting to have a look at him. I think a number of Premier League clubs... He's got to be in that England squad, hasn't he? I, I would put him in that England squad. I think he's ideally suited to Southgate's England set-up, given his ability on the ball. His performances have been very good. They've watched him, and I think a number of Premier League clubs have kind of been sniffing up about a bit even if some of the media reports have been a bit yeah. <laughs> I would say out of kilter um, but he's done very well he's done very very well uh, deserves his new deal yeah. to, because I think the contract he was on will have reflected his status as being a fringe player a rotation player now you could make the argument that he's Everton's first choice centre back you look at the rotation elsewhere and it's normally Mason Holgate plus one of Yerry Mina and Michael Keane yeah. Yerry Mina dropping out against against Manchester United and Michael Keane doing quite well when he came into the side Holgate is that one consistent and I think if it got really bad at right back he could fill in a few games there well he might well do a Stamford Bridge mightn't he maybe, maybe he does maybe he does if things got really bad in the centre of midfield you could push him into central midfield he's one of the best centre backs of the club now so I think that contract reflects his status it ties him down to Everton for another five years I tweeted this uh, when it happened and a lot of people came back to me with future captain, as the as the um, as the response. Possibly, I mean, the, the, there's no, the, there's nothing other than an opinion here. But I, 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 I can't see why not. No, because not, he, not because right. he, he leads on the pitch, through example. He's unbelievably flourished this season uh, in in ways that I have to admit. I think I've said this earlier on the pod in previous episodes, didn't see coming from a lad who couldn't really get his game at the Hawthorns last season at right back. Everton didn't see it coming. Everton tried to sign a whole host of centre-backs, Tamori, uh, Chris Smalling, Rocco. All, Rocco, all those guys, there were inquiries for all of them. Obviously, Kurt Zuma was the one that they really wanted yeah. initially. They went after a number of centre-backs. And I think if that had happened, Mason Holgate actually would have been fourth choice at Everton to start this season. That kind of sliding doors moment that we've spoken about where the signing doesn't happen, Holgate gets up opportunities with other players injured. And grasps it with both hands. It's a great example if you're in a an Anthony Gordon waiting mm. in the wings for a chance. Yeah. Tom Davis when he's out of the side. Any of those players that are just on the periphery. Moisey Keane is another one. Every now and then an opportunity will present itself. Mason Holgate's taken that opportunity. And now he does look like somebody who could go on and, and play a really important role for Everton in the future. Absolutely. And yet, who knows, maybe a future Everton captain. Right, well, plenty going on then. We did say at the top of the show. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will be back next week, hopefully, to talk about a rare but much celebrated win in the capital. Thanks for listening. Bye.